ready to Beautiful. do this. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome, man. I am super excited to do this. Like, uh, this has been a long time coming and, uh, yeah. I'm, ex I'm excited to talk through your journey. Uh, we've got Joshua Nieves, uh, associate game designer at visual concepts, Austin. Did I get that right. Yes. Cool. Sweet. I mean, I am, I'm really excited to talk about this because we, we've been, we've been talking for years now <laughs> and, oh, yeah. uh, and I've been following yeah. your journey and, uh, I'm really excited to kind of talk through, you know, kind of where you're at. And, you know, I've been trying to get some people that are a little earlier in their careers instead of, you know, a lot of the people I bring on 20, 30 years, that's some of that advice isn't quite as applicable to, to the state of the industry now and, and trying to right. get in. And so I'm really curious to just kind of talk through all of that and, uh, kind of get your insights and things you've learned from over the last few years and I think it's going to be a good time. Awesome. Yeah, me too. I've been, uh, man, it's, it's kind of surreal being on here. Cause I've been watching, uh, I've been talking to you, uh, sending emails, getting your, uh, advice and a bit of mentorship and, um, yeah, just watching your streams and I never envisioned myself being on the stream. My mom was always telling me, uh, one day you're going to be on there. But I was like, nah, that's, that's not gonna happen. She was right. She's, <laughs> she's in are. the chat, so she, you know, she she helped bring that to be. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm super stoked for this. Thank you for uh, inviting me on here, and Reed, thank you as well for for shouting me out. This is gonna be great. Yeah, that's a uh, absolutely excited to have you on, and yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. So let's let's jump in because I'm always curious. One of my favorite things to ask is is like, as you're growing up, where did you grow up? And what did you actually think you were going to do when you got older? Okay. So I, I grew up in a small town called Perth Amboy, New Jersey. I lived there most of my life up until I was about 17 years old. And uh, it's so weird. I always, so I had a feeling that I wanted to do something game development related when I was like around seventh or eighth grade. Okay. That's um, pretty early. I, I, yeah, I, I had played, uh, I just played a bunch of different games that provided the escapism that I was looking for for the, uh, for that time in my life. And yeah, there were just a, a couple key games that, uh, it really resonated with me. And I was like, man, is this possible for human beings to do? Or is this like artificially created? <laughs> There's like some robots. I don't know. What were those games? Like what, what games really resonated with you? Uh, I'd say Skyrim resonated with me the most um okay. i hadn't played any other elder scrolls games before that so that was like that was mind-blowing to me because uh, yeah i just experienced things i'd never done before like picking up like armor or weapons off of dead guys and stealing off of people I just felt like you could do uh whatever you wanted to do and it just felt um yeah just super immersive i felt like i was the actual dude in the game and I was like, man, if, if I can get an experience like this for myself, uh, I want to be able to provide that for others. And then that's when, I, that's when the, uh, the brain started turning. And I was like, I wonder if, if, if I can look something up and see if there's uh, something I could do, develop a game in some way. Yeah. Man, uh, you say in Skyrim, at first I'm like, oh my gosh, Skyrim's not that old. But then I realized that game's almost 12 years old. Like that, that game has now been around for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 12 years old and like 14 iterations maybe yeah right you can even play that thing on alexa now so people oh, know that, that's right they made that that audio version we could talk through it so <laughs> yeah i tried that before too that is mind-blowing it's wild so it's funny because like that was the same kind of experience i had with the original legend of zelda way back in the day 
Um, but just that thought of nice. like, I want to do something like this, you know, like this is, uh, somebody's got to do it. Right. Like, right. so why not me? And, uh, and you know, that I love though, that that's kind of like your, your initial thought. So as you're kind of moving through and, and graduating high school, what, what was your plan? Did you have a plan? Did you, were you like trying to move toward that? I actually did have a plan. So we, my mom and I, we ended up looking up schools because I told her I wanted to do something just just see if there was a, a possibility to work in games somehow in any mm -hmm. capacity and it was my fresh freshman year of high school and we ended up googling like game creation uh studios or or, or schools or something like that and uh yeah, it was my freshman year and then we saw full sale university pop up and uh we ended up calling and i was like hey uh is there a possibility i can enroll they're like, yeah, sure. Are you graduating soon? And I was like, well, I got about three or four more years. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not too far away. And they said, oh, man, I, I appreciate your eagerness. Um, let's definitely keep in touch. And uh, closer to your senior year, we can talk more about that. And uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, towards the senior year, we reached out to Full Sail. And um, by my senior year, I ended up moving to Miami. Uh, with my parents and and yeah we were talking to full sale peeps we ended up getting a tour and then we made our way down and my parents were just they were just in awe <laughs> they they toured the uh the campus with me and they were wondering if they could get in somehow <laughs> man <laughs> yeah, that insane. place if if you get it you get uh -huh. it like it feels like home if you get there and it feels right definitely yeah it's 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 such a it was such a big change of pace too, because in high school, not a lot of people are, are too passionate about game development, especially the way that I was, or even just playing video games in general. Um, and if they were, they didn't really, they weren't super vocal about it. But going to Full Sail and seeing all the different people who were super passionate and very vocal about it, it just, yeah, it felt like home. Everyone I spoke to was a gamer and they were super excited to to uh get their hands dirty and make something cool yeah so this is like 2017 16 17 somewhere in that neighborhood 2016 16? yeah that's when i enrolled okay um oh my gosh i just got an alert that someone was in my backyard i'm like what is happening is my son sorry. oh no <laughs> <laughs> sorry it freaked me out for a second <laughs> uh so yeah so you you got there you did the tour um and at that point was it game designed or did you think game dev? Like what was your, your kind of thought about what you wanted to do or art to like, like what was your, what are you coming in for? Right. So I, I had gone for game design. That's what I had enrolled in, but I was on the fence. Cause I was like, man, game development sounds pretty cool too. And I know there's a lot of coding and scripting involved. Um, and I was like, man, I don't see too much of that in the curriculum yet. And uh, yeah, I was on the fence. I was thinking about switching over, but then I had a, a lot of uh, game development folks saying that they had to do a math test. And so I decided to stick with game design. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, uh, I ended up writing it out. All right. So then when you, when you got there, what was, like, what was your initial experience like? I'm curious, like when someone has like their first, you know, first day on campus, you know, you got your first few classes. Like, what did you did you feel like you kind of hit the ground running? Did you have some struggles off the bat? Like, what was that like? 
Um, and were you here alone? Like, like, did you did you move here by yourself to go? Right. Yeah, I, I moved down here by myself. So my family was still in uh, Florida or in uh, in Miami, and I also had some family already in Orlando, so they weren't too far away. Maybe oh, a forty five minute drive. That's cool. That's not bad. Yeah, and um, so a bit of a combination to answer that last question. I feel like I hit the ground running, but there was also a bit of an adjustment because full sale is uh, it's super unique in that like every month is a class basically, and uh, yeah, everything's just very condensed and it gives you so much information all at once you really have to yeah it's a huge adjustment in comparison to like high school life where you have a couple of months per semester but um yeah it was, it was very different but i was excited for it. i was super prepared and i was like if this is what the industry is going to be like um at least like tempo wise i'm excited to uh to make that adjustment and then hopefully already be ready for um graduation yeah, that that actually was the thing that that kind of taught me the most about that this industry was right for me because that the thing that I loved so much was like it's a month, right? It's four weeks that that builds an intensity, and so it's it, it's a lot like a game development cycle in a short time, right? That first week is like let's build up, let's figure out what we're doing, let's make the plan. Right. A couple of weeks of like, all right, now we're in the plan, we're making the thing happen, we're learning the stuff. And that last week's like you got a project due. You got a deadline, exactly. you're, you're killing it, and then it all starts over. And like that, that's yeah. what I love about game development. That cycle is great. Right, right, yeah. It's like uh, you come in, you create a new sprint, you have all your tasks, you get those done, and uh, and yeah, and then you just move on to the next thing. It's super fulfilling. Yeah, man, I, I love that part. <laughs> so what <laughs> was there any of your early classes that stood out or any like moments early on that, uh, that kind of like – helped reassure you that you knew you were in the right place or doing the right thing or anything like that that sticks out? I think the people helped me understand that this was the right place to be more than anything because there was uh, just talking to a whole bunch of different people and expressing my passion and then them reciprocating that and just talking about video games. It just felt like the right environment altogether. And um, I was like, man, uh, creating these friendships and these bonds and then coming together and creating something i mean at that point it was still uh still very early so we weren't creating too much at that point but um there had been some others who had had uh previous experience in maybe different schools and they were showing off some projects and i was like oh man i can't wait till i get to that level <laughs> nice so what uh let's talk about the last half of your of your time there uh starting with like you know the where your portfolio classes build up and you're starting to like really make things that are going to show you know what your skill set is like what was that experience like for you so that experience was uh it was super fun but also difficult but great as a learning experience because i did a lot of uh a lot of failing which equaled a lot of learning not failing in classes but like attempting to create something the way I had envisioned it in my head at the beginning of the month. Um, and then looking at that versus what it ended up being at the end. Um, it's a bit of a, a mind adjustment because you, you start to understand how far your abilities are at that point. And, but it also tells you how much more you need to learn. And so I feel like one of the toughest parts about getting into developing games super early on is that 
you don't really know what you don't know. So mm. in order to figure what that out, to figure out what that is, you just have to start making stuff and uh, yeah, <laughs> just making stuff, trying things out. Uh, a whole bunch of Googling. Google's the best <laughs> friend. I'm sure all full sailors could uh, attest to that. YouTube as well. <laughs> that that never changes, by the way. Like throughout right. your entire career, you're going to continue to Google things on a constant basis <laughs> because oh, yeah. we don't, can't remember all that. You know what I mean? Like it's there's just so much stuff going on. Especially, exactly. it, I'll also be like, oh, you know what? I did something like this once before. Let me go back and look at that. And, uh, and see if I can utilize that exact script again. And that many times yes. I have. <laughs> right. And yeah, that's, that's something that I really, I wish I learned super early on. I learned uh, that it's okay to reuse some of your previous works and incorporate that into your new stuff so that you don't have to build it from the ground up. And... Yes, yeah, so you don't have to build it from the ground up and just continue making the thing that you really want to do because for me i didn't want to be uh i didn't want to be a major coder or a, a super big uh scripter or anything i just wanted to make something really cool mm. but for whatever reason i convinced myself that all of my code needed to be very efficient but in reality what i wanted to do is create prototypes and display off the best of my uh my ideas i guess my my favorite combo classes in that degree was level design where you got to take and build your own like your first level right like you you right. and you're given us a, a suite of tools and mechanics and you have to build up this level and i don't even know at that point if you find out that when you move into project and portfolio three that you're now going to be ran sometimes randomly picked or grouped with other people that did the same thing and you have to now make this big cohesive experience out of your level stringing them together right and it's and it's really like the first big group project too which is kind of eye-opening yeah. for a lot of people so do you remember much about that like what, what that experience was like for you i think i remember a bit of it um yeah it was it was interesting because yeah we all had these different things and we had to find a way to make it make sense and uh but i think that it inspired innovation which um, I think a lot of developers, a lot of big indie developers are doing, and um, or in the same in the same uh, in the same space as like game jams, where people are putting a bunch of random things together and just making something awesome at the end of it. Mm. If you put yourself in uh, those types of compromising situations, you might end up being getting something really great that you weren't expecting initially. Yeah, and that, that teamwork aspect is is always really interesting because that's, as you're learning, you know, teamwork is a big part of what we do in this industry. None of us can do oh, this yeah. alone. And uh, but it's really interesting to see the, uh, the collaboration, the I want this, you want that. How do we come to a compromise? And especially with like these individual levels and talking about like there was a unique vision of each one. Now, where do we make those those give and takes, right? So like, oh, this guy's mechanic that we're all using, their version is the best. So now we need to kind of take that and spread it across, you know, and right. those kind of discussions. Those are the things that we talk about all the time in game development. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's crazy how nice people can be in game development. I learned that super early on. Like even just before I entered the industry, um, just reaching out to people and asking for advice. And then when I entered the industry, um, meeting all these different people who are super cool and very friendly and open to, um, 
just helping each other out, um, answering questions. It was weird because I've never met people nicer than this. <laughs> I didn't know they <laughs> exist, and there's so many of them. I'm like, who's the guy? Who's the guy who's supposed to ruin it? It's, I know it's coming, but it's, it hasn't come. There are a few of those. There are a few of those those bad apples, but it's right. usually the old crotchety guys that are like back in my day. But but the truth <laughs> yeah. is, you're right, though. This industry is just filled with people that are are at least of like willing to help right right some people are more forthcoming with it than others right but i haven't met anyone at this point that when i asked about something that they didn't at least give me some information and you know the and or point me in the right direction and that that's been super huge and it's a really good way to kind of make connections and learn about companies too right yeah i haven't met anyone that whenever i asked a question they just immediately shut me out and say Sorry, pal, can't help you. Right. <laughs> that would suck when it does, though. <laughs> and I noticed that uh, Eddie Putty in the chat, he mentioned scraps. Was that what you were referring to? Because yeah. I think that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that was the first project that I was like, whoa, we're really, we're really making something here. Um, yeah. Just designing that level. It just, it felt super cool. I had family and friends tested out, and they were just like in awe. It was great. That's awesome. I don't hear much about people having family and friends test their levels. That that's a really good idea. What yeah. um when you when you did that, what what were you was it more of like a hey, see what I've done or was it a oh, I can get feedback about something from someone that hasn't seen it or both? A bit of both. Yeah. So I was yeah, I was working on my projects. I think it was at my sister's house when I was working on the scraps project and um my mom was there my nephew a whole bunch of different family were hanging around and and yeah i was just making something and i wanted them to test it out and i think there was actually uh, a homework assignment where it said that you needed to get some feedback from people mm -hmm. uh, but i also just wanted to gauge the way that they interacted with the level and i think one of the restrictions was that you weren't able to communicate during the the, the play test and I noticed that I had done a bad job initially <laughs> with uh, just the initial controls because I remember my mom was playtesting and she was struggling for a while. She didn't really have a good handle on the controls. Maybe that's just because she's not a gamer. But yeah, it was it was still super fun to see. Whenever I gave her a little nudge in the right direction, she uh, she ended up doing a good job and it was cool. It was just awesome to watch. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting with things like a focus test because that's... It's kind of what's happening, you know, anytime you have someone try it, but we, like in the industry, we would do them and we'll bring in a, a group of a diverse people to try some piece of content that we've created. And I always think about this time at Volition where there was a dude that was easily in his 80s and, <laughs> and he came in and he looked at a controller like he'd never seen one before. <laughs> and oh, I'm like, man. oh boy, <laughs> like this is, <laughs> but even then, like you, you start to get an idea of like, what is our worst case scenario? Like how, how accessible is this to someone that has never played a game before? And, and right. it's, uh, it's at the very least you get some kind of base level, you know, information that allows you to, sometimes you don't make any choices based on it, but it's always interesting to see and to, to like start thinking about like, oh, we've got to consider all kinds of people anytime we're making something. Right, right. And yeah, that's a, that's a good point you bring up too. Um, I think audience is really important when factoring that kind of stuff into like, if you're, if your audience range for whatever reason might be like 18 to 30 years old, um, 
that might be the specific type of people that you're looking to to cater to and then when you bring someone who's 80 years old and not too sure about how to do certain things or play a certain way it's also interesting to get that outside perspective um yeah like you said you might not always use that feedback but it's always cool to get that additional one for just to have it on file yeah and you know and the thing you'll also find is the longer you do this the more you get of that information just kind of like in you know like you you learn more about this it starts to influence your decisions and you start right. to make quicker decisions because you're like oh very quickly, this thing is not going to be good for people that don't know how to play games. And if we're trying to be accessible and, and bring a broader audience, that's something we want to make sure that we're taking care of. And it's really interesting. Like now that I'm like 22 years into doing this, I, I think about how quickly I'll come to certain decisions where I'm like, man, if this were the beginning of my career, I would spin my wheels on this for hours, maybe days <laughs> trying to figure out the right choice. And now I'm like, oh, it's clearly going to be this. Right. Wow. That's so interesting. I'm I'm hoping that happens to me soon because there are times <laughs> where I'm like, man, what do I do here? And I'm so hyper-focused on a certain detail. Um, and yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's not as important as I'm making it out to be. But yeah, just having that knowledge and, and experience, I'm hoping over time I can get and uh, make those instantaneous. Um, uh, what do you call it? Just making the right call. At yeah. Yeah. Quick time. Exactly. And, and the truth is the speed of the call isn't always the important thing, right? Because sometimes the right thing to do is like talk to multiple people, get their feedback on the situation. And this is when we were talking at Hall of Fame last week in, in a couple of panels that I did where the thing that I try to get people to understand is that em as a designer, especially empathy is like your biggest skill because like oh, yeah. you need to be thinking about like every other person on the team and what their what how is this decision going to impact them or whatever choice we're making is going to impact their work because it might be a day's work for you but the thing we're talking about is a week for someone else or maybe impossible based on the time they have and like yeah. those are the conversations you got to always be having the thing with experience that you get is you come in with a better idea of what the potential problems are and the mm -hmm. like a rough idea of what it's going to take for people to do it but man that still you've always got to have those conversations either way yeah yeah just hearing that is uh it's tough because i've experienced a bit of what you're you're talking about how a lot of people can be super passionate about what they're working on and then um one minor adjustment to something or one adjustment adjustment to something minor for yourself might be huge for the other person and uh yeah that's that's always great to consider yeah absolutely all right so let's start talking about your your last few months in school so you're okay let's say you're like in your capstone what was your capstone project like what did you guys do how what was your team like oh man those are some of my uh my fondest moments we had uh we had the a team i'd like to think because uh <laughs> yeah we had our project was called honor brawl and i think we recreated the game about three times throughout our capstone <laughs> which isn't ideal for any no, but it's not uncommon <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had something like uh, we had something like Dark Souls, or no, we ended up having a 2D platformer for our first month, and our second month we ended up transitioning to a Dark Souls styled game, and then our third month, or maybe towards the end of our second month, we had solidified the idea of us having a third-person tower defense game, and um, and yeah, that was really cool. It was a great experience. We were, I think, we were the first class 
to be able to choose who our teammates were because before then I think they were randomly assigned. Okay. And um, yeah, there were uh, a bunch of us folks who who were really close and we had uh, bonded a lot over the past few months or over the past year during our time at Full Sail. And uh, we came together. We were like, okay, cool. Let's make a really awesome game. Uh, some of the people are in the chat now that I actually went to, uh, that I, I was involved with for that capstone project. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think the best part of it was the, uh, it was like the friendships, the camaraderie, the working together and having similar ideas and, and, and a lot of empathy for each other and understanding and not always, but there was always, there was a, <laughs> most of the time there was a good understanding of how the project should go. And um, yeah, all in all, it was really fun. And yeah, a lot of times I look back on that time and I'm like, man, I want to go back, relive those moments just to hang out with those people again. One of those people I'm actually roommates with, so I can hang out with him whenever. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the other people, it'd be really cool to, uh, to work on other projects with. And yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting, like the whole, like the thought, the thing that, that you have to keep in mind in something like a capstone project and for those that are that are new to kind of the full the full sale method the the last four to five months is their their final project where they like design something they prototype it they move through and they, and they build the thing the the three games that you just described that you started with and ended up are very different things so so that that's a i have i have a few questions about that but okay. but the interesting thing is like it's it's a whole bunch of personalities, right? Like everybody kind of has their own objectives and the way that they they view things, what they've learned over the last you know part of their degree. But then also, you got to remember everybody is also learning at the same time, right? Like you're you're learning all this development, you're learning how to work in teams using these skills, and it can come together to be like a glorious mess most of the time, yeah. right? which is not unlike most game development projects, right? Like every, every project, e even professionally has this, has these moments where you're like, are we doing the right thing? Like, is this choice we're making the right thing? Do you know? Do I know? I don't know. Like, like it's, <laughs> it's those kind of conversations. And when you're learning, it becomes even harder. Right. And right. so it's, so I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what caused such big swings in the type of game that you were making? Because you're talking like, platformer to a souls game to a tower defense right like that's that's yeah. those are big <laughs> changes for for something like that agreed yeah the huge changes the first month i think uh so i remember the first month we had to initially we had to adhere to certain uh i think a certain genre and i think we chose platformer and within that first week we had gotten the basics down of what um the uh the curriculum had required of us and and then we were like you know what we're not too interested in a platformer we want to create something a little more different and we were almost kind of gauging i think some other people who are in my class as well on different teams are in the chat as well but they're about to find out that we were gauging them a little bit just to see what kind of projects that they were making and uh, we wanted to make something different. I think a few people, a few different groups in the class had made some sim similar projects. And 
we were like, man, we have to make something. We have to go all out. We have to create something crazy. And so we decided to go the third person route. And that's when we were like, you know what? Let's let's create Dark Souls. I think we just started off with the player character and we started creating different enemies in the game. And yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it's hard to recall because it is a mess like you like you mentioned. <laughs> so many different conflicting ideas and we were just throwing as much as we could but trying to make it as cool as possible. And then we eventually switched to the tower defense from the Dark Souls game because when we moved towards the Dark Souls like game uh we noticed that it was way too big of a scope. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and we had a we had to scope it down and and tower defense just made the most sense um we noticed that a dark or a souls like game needed a lot more attention to detail in terms of like level design mm. and we for whatever reason just yeah i don't I don't remember why we switched. Well, <laughs> there might have been when, so many factors when I think of a souls game like my my big experience of a souls game was bloodborne and and the thing that resonated with me from that game was how much it felt like an old school Nintendo game in that you could kind of memorize the pattern, right? Where it's like, you're going you're gonna to come in, you're going to do this kind of move. These, this, sequ this sequence of attacks is going to take this guy down. And then I know exactly where the next guy is going to be. And then I can position myself for that kind of attack. Like that, right. that's a very, very old school, like, you know, N Nintendo side scroller, everything is on kind of timed out and it takes a very specific level design and, you know, and, yeah. and, and AI setup in order for that to work well. So it's not easy. I totally see why you would decide not to do that. Right. I feel like we had gotten pretty close to the formula that you'd mentioned as well. Um, we had one person working on player animations. Um, I had worked on the enemies, so I was working on AI, and I was creating different types of behavior and randomizing between a different few, but not so random so that the player could get a feel for what move was next. Um, we had another person creating, like, uh, particle, particle effects and, like, telegraphing attacks, and another person designing the level in a way that... <sighs> We were just kind of referencing a lot of different Souls-like games to get the feel and recreate it in our own way, but it was just so much for uh, for the amount of time that we had, so we, <laughs> we ended up switching. <laughs> it's totally understandable. So when you're thinking about transitioning from something like that to tower defense, what what did you salvage? Like, what were you like, hey, we can take this over, we can repurpose this? I think we salvaged a lot, actually. Uh, the player character... A bunch of the enemies um, just had to tweak uh, a bit of the behavior because they didn't telegraph attacks anymore. Um, I think maybe just the player character and the enemies. I can't remember too much else. Yeah, I would assume yeah, the level just... layout is going to be quite a bit different at that point. Yeah, I think we might have just scrapped that completely and we had another person just creating some real cool levels for uh, for the tower defense. And did you guys have, like, how big was your team? Uh, I think it was about five. And did you have any art support, or were you guys on your own? Right, we did have art support. So it was five of us designers, and then one one artist that we had come on, I think, for the fourth month. And uh, and that was really cool, because that was our first taste of working with someone that wasn't a designer, <laughs> I guess. Um, finding a way to communicate to someone that's 
not in your discipline is very difficult initially because you don't you guys don't really speak the same language designers right. speak uh english and and uh people who are artists might speak spanish and so you're 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 kind of feeling each other out and trying to understand what he what each person means yeah. and then at the end you end up speaking spanglish and everything <laughs> works out as much as uh as you like it to no yeah you're exactly right it's it's what i was talking about with the empathy man like it's uh it it just takes first of all like understanding that someone else's wants needs and desires are different than yours right and especially right. if they're a different discipline they the things they care about are different and you've got to understand like because just knowing that right and asking the right questions can make pr certain problems so much easier because you can find that common ground quickly or at least find out where the the budge is you know like if right. we're trying to figure out this thing can we move it in this direction or this direction you know and like having those conversations kind of helps you get there much much quicker oh yeah and one thing that's interesting is we actually now that i remember we worked with two different artists and it seemed like uh one had a bit more experience than the other and that was uh also a learning lesson because we had to we had to be a little more empathetic and understanding for why certain decisions were made. And um, yeah, that was a bit of a tough, tough transition there, working with someone who has a lot more uh, experience versus the person who didn't have as much. But that was, I feel like that was a great learning lesson for us because it taught us how to, uh, to deal with those different um, types of people. Yeah, and that that is exactly why I love the the way that Full Sail does their stuff so much, you know, and the the format of everything kind of throwing you together and basically being like, hey, you're going to figure this out. Here's the structure. Here's the here's the things <laughs> you're you're working toward, but ultimately you're going to learn to work together because you have no choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> Either learn or fail. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, did you guys? have to restart it all or did you do three different types of things along that five month path uh no we didn't have to restart it all somehow we ended up uh yeah we ended up doing we ended up making it <laughs> <laughs> so there was uh yeah there was five of us and it ended up being a four month uh capstone period at that time oh it's four okay yeah and um yeah even though we had a bunch of different changes in our game we we made it through the uh we made it through somehow <laughs> <laughs> and you will right like that's that's the thing right. it's like you'll figure it out one way or another and uh, no it's good so exactly. but this is this is also the time where you start thinking about i've got to graduate and i need to find work right so oh yeah how did you balance and uh, you know the that kind of thought process because that that capstone takes a lot of your time and effort right but you also need to be thinking about the future. So how, how did you balance those two things and kind of what was your, your method at that point? Um, yeah, that was, that was a, an extra, that was a big transition as well, because you go from focusing all your time and effort into your own personal projects on top of school projects. And then you have to, you come to the realization that the real world is coming pretty quickly. And you have to start making some moves. You have to build out your resume and you don't really know what that looks like yet. And you also have to create games so that you can put on your portfolio so that when jobs look at you, they, uh, they see that you did more than just 
the baseline effort. And so I don't know what it was. I think I think a couple of people, a couple of different people inspired me. Uh, Lionel actually in the chat, he inspired me. We were in the same class, and he had worked on. He'd worked on, I think, a mobile game. I don't remember. He worked on a few different things, and I was like, whoa, he's doing something really cool, and he's working through it, through the capstone, and he, he's got something under his belt. And I was like, man, I, I've got to start doing something because <laughs> I love you, buddy, but we're, we're competition now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was really cool. He, uh, yeah, he, he motivated me a bit. And, um, yeah, I think that, that piece lit a fire in me. And I was like, man, he's, he's definitely going to be one of the people at that time. I was thinking he's definitely going to be one of the people that make it in the, in the industry. And if that kind of, if that's what a person needs to do to get in the industry, then I have to follow suit. And I started making my own thing. Um, even though it was horrible, I, (laughs) I made it anyways. And I think that's what counted the most, just getting something done. Yeah. It's really interesting because, like, your guys' class, and then so I was only in the like the classroom for like a year, like physically. A lot of what I did when I was teaching was was online classes. So there was like this year of of classes, but your guys' class, and then a couple around you guys were like really really interesting to me because a lot of you ended up in the industry, like, right. and it's <laughs> it's been really nice to kind of see your different paths and how you got there, and but but it's you know it's not always that way, right? Like there's, you look around and there's sometimes 30 other people around you and, and you're gauging your competition, just like you were talking about. And you're like, (laughs) if I'm not better than all of these people, there's a chance that they're going to get picked over me. So like, like you said, you then that kind of lights a fire under you. Right. Yeah. And, and not to jump the gun, uh, too quickly, but that leads me to like a certain, a certain way of thinking for me post-graduation where anytime I would feel demotivated or uh, yeah, I just didn't feel like working on any personal projects at that time. I was like, you know what? Think about the person. There's got to be somebody out there that's working 10 times harder than you. That's going to be that guy. That's going to be the guy that gets the job. And uh, yeah, I was just comparing myself to a lot of imaginary people, (laughs) which isn't always the best, but I think it was good for me at that time because it pushed me to continue creating and not, um, not faltering, man, that, that's a really good mindset because I am, I, I need that motivation myself, right? Like, uh, it's, it's easy for me to, I, I can, I can just like not do anything real easily. You know what I mean? Like I can zone <laughs> yeah. out and just sit and just like whatever. But when I'm thinking about, you know, what my goals are and, right. and I get excited about a certain thing, like that's the things that, that can get you going. But man, it means it, it can do a lot for you when you got the right motivation. Right. I think uh, having other people who are in that same mindset or just like just super motivated to get something done. I feel like putting yourself around those people really helps because anytime I was demotivated, I would go to uh, there's a place in Orlando called Indianomicon. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to go there uh, pretty frequently. And anytime I would feel a little bit, a little bit demotivated, I would show up and there'd be all these different people who are excited about game development or even outside of game development, uh, different types of disciplines, different games being made. And, and there were times where there were game jams going on and it was just so exciting. And I was like, dang, 
these people are great. I got to be great too. And anytime I received compliments from people who I thought were awesome, I was just like, what? An awesome person's calling me awesome. I must be, I must be around that same level, maybe, (laughs) or at least a small percentage of it. And I just, yeah, it kept pushing me, uh, kept me going. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. For those that don't know, Indianomicon is like a a group of, of game developers and usually independent game developers in the Orlando area that kind of have regular meetups and, and get to know each other and help promote each other's stuff and work together. Like it's, it's, it's a cool little group. So, so as you're at graduation, what, what, uh, what are things like you graduate, you're looking for that first job. Talk us through like what, what that was like for you. Right. So even, even before graduation, I, I did have an interview at the time. Um, but man, was I not prepared. I thought, I thought, uh, I might have been a little overconfident or I underestimated myself or I overrested my, I, I overestimated my interviewing abilities. <laughs> <laughs> so that, does that mean you thought you were going to like hit the ground running? You were going to be good to go? Like, is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to hit the ground running. So I ended up interviewing uh, for a QA position at a, a AAA company and and, it, and the questions weren't even too difficult. I think they were just trying to gauge whether or not I was sane. And I think if I would have displayed sane behavior, I would have uh, I would have made it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Man. <laughs> how, did, how, how did you not display sane behavior? What happened? <laughs> so, oh man, I just, I was super nervous going in. And I had just filled my head with all these different ideas. And I was just so stoked about the game industry that, that uh i was like oh man this is it it's now or never you got to make this you got to make this happen whole family's counting on you and once you make it you're set for the rest of your life and i was just building it up more and more and the closer it got to interview time i just my heart was beating faster and faster and i got to the room or i met with the person who i was supposed to who was like the liaison to take me to the uh the interviewer mm-hmm. and i man <laughs> i was just it was just the worst <laughs> you could tell that i was so nervous he said something <laughs> to me and i answered it in a way that made absolutely no sense like i wasn't even listening to him ah <sighs> yeah i was just it was crazy and then i went to the interviewers or i went to the area where the interview was going to happen and uh, i was just rambling i was i don't know if you've seen the office but there's a scene where where Michael Scott, <laughs> he's talking and he has no idea where he's going, but he's just, he just continues until he, and, until he eventually gets to whatever he wants to say. That's what I was doing. I was talking and I was hoping that I found it along the way, but it never came. And uh, <laughs> they were like, all right, pal, we'll have a good one. We'll be in touch. <laughs> I was devastated. Oh, no. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've watched the the office multiple times and uh <laughs> but I also know what you're talking about from a from the fumbling aspect, right? So j- just just to give you some insight, I think I start every conversation the way that you're talking. Like I, I start <laughs> off with like I'm going to get to a point eventually. <laughs> you and I usually get to that point, which is nice. But man, right. I I totally get what it would be like if you don't arrive there. That would, that would be very frustrating. <laughs> It's terrifying because in your head, <laughs> it's sort of like an outer body experience where you're looking at yourself talking and 
you can't help yourself. It's just like, come on, man, uh, like <laughs> say something, anything. It doesn't matter. Just end it. <laughs> but I think now I feel like I have a better understanding of how to go about those types of conversations because I'm not afraid. I think I was afraid to cut myself off. Yeah. Um, because now if I'm talking and I'm rambling and I notice I'm rambling and I, yeah, I just, I'm like, you know what? That didn't really make sense. Let me rephrase. And that, that helps me a little bit taking one step back and then two steps forward. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, so that, that had to, that doesn't feel good. Right. So, so what, what was your thoughts coming out of that? Were you like, you know what, I know how I can improve this or did, were you feeling defeated? Like what kind of, what was your next steps? So I was like, you know what, let's take a couple of weeks to feel defeated and then, and then we can, we can do something about this. So I, uh, yeah, no, I felt pretty bad for a while and then I can't really remember too vividly, but I think I was just like, you know what, put your, put yourself in a position to never fail again. And, um, I'm not, I wasn't the best communicator and I wasn't the best interviewer, but I can make up for that in some of the work I can do. Like just mm. make as much awesome content as you can, um, polish as much as possible. Make your work look so good so that when you interview, they're like, this guy's He's not all up there, but uh, his work's looking nice. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I ended up polishing my work, and then I also polished my my speaking skills. And I think over time, um, it did take a while, but over time, I think I I got the hang of it, and that's what led me to the job I'm at now. We got a, a really good suggestion in the chat from from my buddy Ryan saying it, it's okay to say, "Hold on, I feel like I'm getting off track. Can you reframe the question so I can make sure I'm answering it properly?" And, oh, that's genius. and I'll do that too. I'll just be like, what was the question again? Like, right. <laughs> but the way he words it is way better, right? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Cause it makes it seem like they were the problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you letting me just keep talking? Like, <laughs> no, it's a good one. I actually had somebody ask me this week, uh, about the opposite. They're like, whenever they get asked a question, they 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 need a moment to kind of process the question and then think about mm. kind of what their response is going to be and they're concerned that they might seem like they're taking too long to answer that kind of thing and i right. told him i was like listen the the truth is what really matters most is your answer right and yeah and but but we're also looking at how you process information and if you just tell me hey let me think about that a second or you know like like or just let me know that you're thinking it through instead of just like sitting there staring at me like i don't know what's going <laughs> on you know like that kind of situation you're going to be fine really it's totally we all right. get it we all know people get nervous we know we need to think through things and 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 i've worked with people that you know obviously this won't work in an interview but sometimes we'll have a conversation about something <laughs> and and the response is let me think that through and get back to you, right? That's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, you know, in a normal right. work environment and like making kind of a truncated version of that for, as you're talking through an interview, I think is a perfectly fine thing to do. Oh yeah. Big time. That's, that's funny that you bring that up because that's, that's something I remember vividly when interviewing with my current manager. Um, he had given me a series of questions and I, I felt like I was doing good with a few of them. And then he gave me one that I wasn't sure of. And I was like, yeah, I just took a moment and I told him I need a, a second to 
to to put to formulate the right words and it was silent for like a good it felt like a couple years but it might have been closer to 20 seconds Mm -hmm. and feels um, like an eternity though oh Oh, man (laughs) it does feel like an eternity but i feel like it also seems like on the interviewer side i can't say for sure but it also seems like it's less scripted yeah like um i'm not sure what it looks like from the interviewer side but i could imagine that for certain answers that were given from uh from the interviewer interviewee they might think that you know they had rehearsed this beforehand and they're not really thinking it all together on the fly Mm. but i feel like taking the time you need to really understand the question formulate your own opinions in a clean and concise way it um i think that helps yeah i think the truth is most people most majority truly most are cool with you taking whatever time you need to to respond to something and think it through i think the the people that are looking for like oh you're not decisive enough oh you need to be coming at me quicker like honestly those are probably the people you don't really want to work with anyway like this yeah this is not an industry where that kind of of quick response is needed uh so i think either way you're fine you know like like it's it's gonna be fine right yeah it's sort of like a a reflection of what's to come uh, when working with that person yeah and and that's the other thing about interviewing you're interviewing them as well right like you're trying to make sure that this is a place that you want to spend all of your time you know what i mean like like you spend a significant (laughs) portion of your life at your job (laughs) i want to be around people that that i feel like i'm going to click with exactly there there was a time where i was interviewing for another company and he was asking a bunch of questions and then i ended up flipping the script because i was uh truly intrigued and i was curious on the uh on the kind of experience that experiences that this person had had and i was like oh this is interesting i feel like i'm kind of interviewing you now and he was like oh yeah it's okay and <laughs> and <laughs> then i was like oh snap okay it is okay to <laughs> to ask questions to the person i could potentially be working with and see if this is a good fit for not only them but for myself as well which i i think not a lot of early uh people early on in their career take into account mostly because there's not there aren't too many options for them to choose from so in the beginning it might be easier to just take whatever comes at you yeah it, and that's not necessarily a bad thing right like taking right. that first job just to get experience is, is an okay thing to do but regardless of any of that like you no matter where you are in your career you you're also interviewing them you know and mm-hmm. and i always tell people like you need to have a couple of questions ready because one of the things i don't like as someone who interviews people is when i'm like do you have any questions for us and they sit there silent and be like nope I'm like then, <laughs> then do you really care enough about right. coming here or you know like or or is this just a one-sided kind of thing where you're just as long as you're getting what you need out of this, it's going to be fine. And But the truth <laughs> is, like, you should have questions because you, this is a place that you're going to devote a lot of time to. Right. And there, now that I think about it, there was this one question where I had <laughs> – there were mixed feelings whenever I asked, uh, like, different friends or family. But I'm curious on your opinion on this. So my magical question, uh, which I think either enhanced the, uh, the interview experience by a lot or – 
it just made me look like the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so it was basically, it was basically, is there any reason why I wouldn't get this position? Like, is there, are there any requirements? Is there anything in my resume that is lacking when you compare it to the requirements on your, on your job or mm. a job description? And so some people were telling me, oh man, that's, that's super ballsy. I don't know if you can ask someone if, uh, if there's no reason not to hire you. I think it's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, guys. Free, uh, free qu interview question for you. <laughs> Seriously, like, I, I would love to know. And, and they're not always going to be able to answer that, right? Like, mm -hmm. like there, there are reasons that someone can't or shouldn't answer that sometimes. Right. But the truth is, if, if, you're, if you're talking and you're near this thing, and you've had a conversation and you're like, hey, you're thinking to yourself, I feel like we're vibing here. I feel like I'm a good fit for this. I would love to know what red flags they have i think that's an that's an okay thing to ask me like hey what what about my experience or our conversation so far makes you feel like i might not be a good fit for this and, right. and like that and at the very least that gives you one an opportunity to like uh address any concerns that they might have right mm -hmm. or you know like or you find out very quickly like oh you know like yeah that, that's something that maybe i'm not ready for or, or whatever like there's there's going to be good information either way probably right right and there where i found that too they mentioned if if you ask that question and they say we don't have a reason why we shouldn't hire you <laughs> then they should just hire you right yeah <laughs> I'll expect your uh, offer letter at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> and you might get it, right? Sometimes that uh, that kind of yep. conversation is taken pretty well. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Before we move into the the job search, I want to take a minute to break off to, to do what I call the dev round. And this is a series okay. of questions I ask all of my guests. All right. These are fun. They're easy. You ready for this? <laughs> awesome. Let's do it. All right. What is your favorite game of all time and why? Oh, it's got to be Skyrim for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's just no... Uh, uh, yeah, it's just incomparable. Inca incomparable for me just because that was the, uh, the first time I experienced something truly immersive for me. And yeah, there was just nothing like it at that time. And I, I still come to play that game every uh, couple of months or a year. Yeah. No, it's it's understandable. That game is uh quite the experience. Oh yeah. All right. Now I'm always curious about this question. When did you first feel like you had made it in game development? Ooh, that's a beautiful question because actually I told myself, oh snap, we did it. This is this is crazy. Um it wasn't too long ago. It was I think it was a few months ago we had an all hands meeting. And the head guy of our company had uh, a very inspiring and, and prolific speech. And he was just talking about, you know, this we're here to make games and we're doing something huge. And uh, we've got all these players that we're catering to and just telling us how awesome we are, the camaraderie we've built and the projects that we're making. Or uh, yeah, I I remember looking over to to one of my work friends and I was like, "Yo, this is uh this is a moment to remember for me because I truly feel like we made it." This speech it's it's hidden home for me, 
and I was just over overjoyed. There was like this weird sensation of joy in my in my chest. I could have been dying, but I didn't, <laughs> and it, I, <laughs> but it, it felt great. <laughs> All right. What what was was there something specific about it, or was it just like you felt like we're in this together? I'm a part of this. Like we're doing the thing. Yeah, I think it was a bit of that. We were all in the same place. Um, the office just opened up, and this is—I think this was one of the first times we had truly all come together post-COVID. And and yeah, it was just this huge speech, kind of uh, ceremonious. And yeah, all all of the things he was saying was just resonating with me so deeply, and I was like, "Oh man, this is this is crazy." All right, that sounds good. I like it. All right, next. What is your passion in game development? Ooh, what is my passion? While I take this third shot. Hmm. It's such a broad question, too. So there's like, there's so many different answers I can have for this. Um, it's a bit cheesy, but it's it's just kind of creating a, a positive experience for the players i don't know if you're looking for something more specific in terms of like technical ability or no what, whatever whatever floats your boat yeah so i think just creating ah, just creating the best experience for the players in any capacity it's it's really cool because last year after we had released um a game that i had worked on quite heavily that was the first time i had gone through the entire dev cycle and post release we were able to look at different streams and youtube videos and reddit comments and we were like holy smokes this is uh this is it this is happening uh it just it just felt so good to see a bunch of positive reviews and even negative reviews but negative in a positive light because some people were they were like oh man this is this is tough and other people were coming together and kind of building a community and helping each other work through certain things that felt tough in that moment. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's so great. And one of the things that really feels good when I was working on projects independently, um, something that sticks out so deeply in my mind is whenever my nephew, Jeremiah, would play um, one of my video games. He just seemed, oh, with, with anything I made, he was just like, oh, man, this is so awesome. And he was just super eager to play the next game. Ah, I can, I can, I, I just thinking back on the memories warms my heart and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's reigniting even the passion, the passion, even now. That's awesome. I, I really like <laughs> that. That's good. All right. Let's see. No, it, you know, it's, um, uh, I, I ask passion broadly because I think it can go a lot of different ways, right? And I think at different points in your career, it's going to mean different things. Like the thing that I realized this deep into the career for me is that problem solving is what I really love and what I'm good at, mm -hmm. right? And and every day there's a new problem. It can be a, a problem I'm solving in a couple of hours or it's a, a game-wide problem that I need to help find a solution to. Like there's, but but at least like that's where I feel like my, my, my heart is, you know what I mean? Like that's where right. I feel really good is when I get that opportunity to, to solve a problem on some scale and, and you know, the bigger it is, the better it feels. So, right. So I'm always curious to hear like what, what people love, you know, what, what excites you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is a, Oh, 
if what advice would and i'm really curious to hear this because you are you know younger in your career you were like three years in somewhere that right roughly in that neighborhood right uh, almost two years okay two years so uh what advice would you give to someone who's looking for their first job in the industry mm. what advice would i give to someone so one thing it kind of leads into what you're asking but one big chunk of advice like if i could talk to myself a couple years in the past i would just say hey man make like the worst games possible which is a spin on <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a spin on like the generic advice that people usually give which is just and and it's very important too which is make games continue making games as much as possible but the reason why i say make bad games is because i feel like it takes less pressure off of you as a developer um because you kind of set some sort of standard for yourself where you're like you know what if i'm going to make a game it's got to be x y and z and if it doesn't meet x y and z then it's just there's no point in making it and so i think that people should intentionally make bad games so that they could at least give themselves experience and then move on to the next project make something bad as well and maybe just continue doing that until you notice oh snap i'm actually getting a handle on what game development is how to code certain things and how the ways that uh things intertwine with one another mm -hmm. and and then you can continue to to polish and and make better games and even bigger of a bigger scope yeah and even like we were talking about before reusing things e even if you're making something that ends up being bad there's probably something you learned there that you can move forward with and, and utilize and stuff that you make in the future oh yeah 100 percent. and one other piece of, of advice too that really really helped me um shake off like i mentioned i was very fixated for whatever reason on being efficient with my code even though i was a game designer who didn't really care about making my code efficient i just wanted to create prototypes and show off these design ideas that i had had which was basically make one game a week or one game every two weeks or one game a month so i think one thing that really impressed people when i was interviewing was I had a whole bunch of sticky notes on my walls. And it was basically, there was one side where I had a bunch of milestones for like my career as an independent developer at that time, at that time. Mm. And then another wall, which had different projects that I wanted to make. And I continued to, um, yeah, I continued to, to push myself to, do this challenge that i set for myself which is make a new game every month and oh. it doesn't matter how bad that game ends up being it doesn't matter if you uh can't complete it just do it to the best of your ability and no matter what once that month ends you have to start something new and it it was cool because it taught me so many different things um like the first three weeks was development and then the fourth week was polish mm. and um yeah it kind of it it taught me how to be more, uh, how to deal with time management okay. because yeah, there was, there was a set period of time where you had to work through and you were just trying to make things as good as possible. And I also included, um, during that development cycle, I also included time for things like marketing my game and creating videos for potential employers. Um, I feel like that's much better 
then I feel like creating videos alongside your project is much better than having your project and then like a list of text because if, if a lot of recruiters are going in with like a hundred plus applicants, they might just skim through, not play the game, get a full feel for who you are as a designer. But these videos can quickly um, display any kind of abilities that you have. Yeah, definitely have. I always recommend 30 to 60 second videos that shows like what specifically you did especially if it's a group project i want to know like what you did and, and kind of what you worked on and um like portfolios are really important for game designers because it's it's the opportunity for us as people that are evaluating you to see what's your thought process like how do you work what kind of things do you feel are like how do you describe the things you've worked on and what was important to you during it during that and then what is the result of that and kind of seeing right. that all come together like i've got like five minutes to look at your stuff and if i've got like 30 second clips i can look at to get an idea that's going to keep me in there a little bit longer oh yeah and one big thing i've noticed too is that um a lot of times early on i didn't express the why in the decisions that i had made like i would i would display what you were saying where i would write what i worked on and how it was made but i never included why why i made certain decisions and why i chose x over why and as a game designer i feel like that's that's really important when when you're making a game and you're you're deciding what would be best for your your player base yeah absolutely all right now for my favorite question if you were born in the year 1870 what do you think you'd be doing right now or then <laughs> <laughs> Is that around the medieval times? <laughs> it feels that way. We're, I'm a little uh, rusty. I mean, we're talking like electricity is barely a thing, right? Like most people are doing ah. trades. You're an apprentice of some kind. Like life's rough. Ah. They know video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's. Oh, yeah. Someone just said think Red one. Dead. Yeah, like Red Dead. Like that, that oh. time of, of the world. Yeah, that's a good example. Ooh, okay. Red Dead, Red Dead. Just thinking back on that game, I'd like to be a... <laughs> I know it's not completely related to the art field, but I'd like to be a bounty hunter of some sort. For real? All right. Yeah. Just... We got to talk about this. I would... <laughs> so so I grew up with, uh, my dad was huge into the old school Western movies. And, and I always thought that that was super awesome. You know, the super cool cowboy, he gets the lady at the end of it after he saves her life from these bandits that are hand, hiding behind some rocks. I was like, <laughs> dang, I want some rocks <laughs> behind the rocks, a couple of tumbleweeds. Oh, man. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that was super fascinating to me. And then comes along red dead redemption and i'm like living the dream through through john marston and so yeah i guess that's always been in the back of my mind and i could just see myself i could see myself uh going behind those rocks and taking some names you're gonna lasso someone by the feet and drag them to the town like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah time around the horse yeah oh man <laughs> What about uh, you? I don't know if you've answered that before. You know, I, I've had several different answers in the past. Like, I, 
part of me feels like I would be in architecture of some kind. Like, like I'm not a mm -hmm. super like detailed person, but I love to build things. So, so maybe some kind of like, you know, some kind of construction or some kind of thing. Like, like my dad lays brick, like that's been his, his whole oh. career is in masonry. Um, so maybe something along those lines, cause he and I both love to build things. Um, nice. so, so probably something in that realm. Okay, cool. I don't know, man. I like, I like the bounty hunter idea. I, uh, <laughs> so he, here's a, a weird, a weird thing. Like, do you ever feel like in your soul, like, like in your being that you were like, like, like somewhere in your past, whether it was like previous lives or somewhere in your ancestry that, that you were made for something. Do you ever, ever have that kind of feeling? Like, like, oh, my family's always moment. been a blah, like for thousands of years. Like, do you ever, you ever oh. get a feeling like that? Because I think I'm, so, I was like my family upline, whatever it was, was so, like some kind of hunters. Like it was, right. they, were, they were protecting the tribe. Like, like, I don't know how much of it's just like ADHD and like me constantly like, like looking out for threats and constantly being aware right. of my surroundings, that kind of thing. But there's, there's something that, that feels right about like, I'm, I'm really super like into something while I'm doing it, which feels right about like, I'm either protecting or hunting or gathering Ooh. something like that. And then the rest of the time, I just want to fuck off. Like, I don't want to do anything <laughs> at all ever. Right. <laughs> I want to relax. Oh man. I wish, uh, oh man, I wish I had a better answer, but I don't, I don't, uh, no. I'm just curious. Like, a, like this, yeah. <laughs> I don't say I this is like, oh, well, clearly cool like we all have these feelings. It was more of like, a, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe somebody else thinks like that. <laughs> right. Oh man. I wish, I wish maybe that's something I can think on. And then I'd be like, you know what? I think I could have flown one of the first prototypes of an airplane. <laughs> something crazy. Yeah, no, <laughs> dude, you want to be one of the first people to fly? That's what you like. You, that's what you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can picture all the failures now. Our ancestors didn't last too long, I'd uh, imagine. Oh man, that's uh, <laughs> I love that. All right, let, let's think about the future. Let's think about the year 2070. What do you think okay. you would be doing if you were entering the workforce? You know, what is that 50 years from now? Mm. Think about what technology is going to be like how much it's changed over the last 30 years yeah i think we're gonna we're gonna enter uh a place where we can't we can't really tell the difference between reality and like a simulation and i want to be one of the people who are who's in there i want to be the person that's in there and developing some really cool stuff but it's also scary to think about at the same time because you could be like having the, the time of your life. You have this whole other alternate universe and you're like, oh, man, yeah, finally, I, I achieved what I wanted to. And then you take off the glasses and you're like, wait a second, I'm at Burger King flipping patties. <laughs> Dude, so here's something that I think about all the time. I think that we are absolutely like we are at the point now where that future is realistic. Right. Like yeah. technology is advancing at a rate that we could totally be matrix style. You know what I mean? Like oh, we're, we're yeah. in pods, but yet the world seems real. We are so close to that. How do we know we're not already there? 
Yeah. Like, like we're that, that is, close, uh... right? Like, we could already <laughs> be there. Like, what if, and this is something I, I say to my wife all the time, what if the life that we live right now is a preparation life to get us Whoa. to that level so that when we come out of this thing, we don't freak out and, and, and like, <laughs> lose our minds because we're on our way to Mars right now. Like, there's... <laughs> Oh man! Who knows? There's so, there's yeah. So, are you saying like, say you've lived out your entire life and you've gone through all these experiences, and then you're 90 years old, you pass away, and then you wake up and you are you reliving that same life? No. But choosing different. At this point, like in this example, you wake up and you're like, oh, we're at that. Like all that was a simulation. Like now yeah. I'm not 90, I'm 20 years old. And now I'm ready for whatever the state of the world actually is. Just like think oh, of how man. much stuff has happened in the last like 50 years like, and yeah. how, how wild it is. Like 50 more, who knows? I don't know. Man, that's scary. I love conversations like that. Yeah. <laughs> that, I do We're too. in a simulation right now. <laughs> we could be, who knows? <laughs> who knows? We could, we could die, wake up with VR goggles. Like, oh man, that really was a good game. Yeah, <laughs> right. Man, if this is the game, though, there's parts of this game that are really boring. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. like, like, we need to we need to amp it up a little bit. Like, <laughs> need to get QA on this ASAP. <laughs> All right, next question. Who do you recommend to come on the show next? Ooh, I actually have two people. Oh, if right. I could. What you got? Yeah. Sorry, pals, to put you on the spot. The first one is Edward Putbreeze. All right. I think he would bring a lot, lot of value to the stream. He's got so many unique experiences. That's actually my roommate. I think he's watching at the moment. And a second person, Devin Robina. Yep. Man, this guy is awesome. He uh, probably the most hardworking person I've ever met in my entire life. That dude. Man, he's just so dedicated to his craft. Every time you see the thing that he puts into your hands it's just mind-blowing i just it doesn't i can't fathom it so th those are my peeps so, those are two great suggestions uh i, I love it like De devin's already been on my my list um especially nice. because he he changed career paths right and, and like like he went from design to vfx and is killing it so like i'm i'm really curious to, to talk through that stuff so he's definitely on my short list already so that's good that'd be great nice yeah i'm excited to see him i love it we're going to make both of those happen. All right. Those are the two I was trying to recommend, Reed says. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this fourth shot. We've already had five shots redeemed, and I'm on number four right now. Oh, so I'm going to take this one. But the, 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 good, the, the good thing is we just finished the dev round. Bravo. That's great. So while, while I start to take this shot, I'm curious. What was, like... As you're graduated, you're you're now like, oh, I didn't get that first thing that I tried to get, right? It didn't right. go as well as I hoped. What's next? Like, like, what what was your next step? Where did you head from there? Hmm. I think I just so post graduation, I I was really confident that I would get something, so I was like, let me give it three months. That should be enough time. <laughs> no, wait, what do you I mean? Was, what, like, what do you mean three months? Was this three months to prepare for the next time you, you interviewed? Or like, what, what were you thinking at that point? 
just three months to get a job. Oh, like, oh you know I see. What? Okay. You're going to yeah. do it in three months. Gotcha. Right. Like, ah, something will line up in three months. I won't have to uh, work too hard. But, but yeah, that didn't, <laughs> that didn't happen. And I was like, you know what? Let's, let's give it another three months. That should be, that should be all it takes. <laughs> So now, uh, but what was happening? Talk, let, let's talk through that first three months. You you set yourself a goal. What did that mean for you? Was that was that just a motivating factor for you, or was it more of like a I'm giving myself three months so I don't feel too much pressure about about the situation? Because each of us have our own way of dealing with you know rejection and potential you know opportunities and how we're going to deal with that stuff. Right. So at that point, once I got rejected, I had spoken to a different, a bunch of different people about it, family, friends, career advisors, and they just told me to put myself back out there. And I think that's what I had done. I just kept looking at different projects or uh, I kept looking at different um, websites with a bunch of different job postings, Indeed, LinkedIn jobs. And I think there's a specific website for Full Sail that has their own, um, their own stuff. And yeah, I was just looking through those sites every day, and and we talked I, a lot during this time too, right? Like like we we, we yeah. touched base quite a bit because I right. and I remember this because I remember being like, this guy should find a job, like yeah. <laughs> like, like there's work for him out there, but but I but you were you were struggling, right? Like it was it was hard to and and this is not a uncommon thing, right? Like mm-hmm. getting into the industry is not easy. Uh, even even the best of us can have struggles there at the beginning right yeah it was it was a really huge mental struggle because you're like man i feel like i've got all the right things done and uh, i'm applying all the time i'm uh every day to all of the jobs i'm um tailoring my resume to very specific job descriptions being honest about the stuff that i put on my resume but still catering it to the job description um as much as possible and uh yeah it was tough i just kept applying and applying and working on projects in the meantime but nothing came about for those three months and then the next three months nothing happened as well and uh that's when i ended up getting a part-time and i started working and i I had to come home at the end of the day kind of tired and not very motivated because I wasn't at the place I wanted to be at that point in time. And by part time, you mean something out of the industry, right? Just something to pay the bills. Yeah. Right. Like a cashier or uh, like a stock boy or something at some random store. You got to do, man. Right? Like you got you to pay the bills. And that, that's gotta the thing pay that's bills. tough, you know, because like yeah. you're, you're doing the thing to, to live. But then also, how do you balance that time of like, when I get home, I'm now tired from doing the thing that I did, which wasn't fulfilling. And I've got exactly. to improve myself in a way to make myself more um, enticing to potential employers. Right, right. And the thing that I'm I'm so glad happened with me, I don't know what was it that kind of changed, adjusted my mindset in that moment. But I I worked for a job where I was on my feet 10 hours a day, every day, or for at least a couple of days a week. And it was just exhausting. I was, man, it was, it was super tough. Um, I was, I felt like I was basically running all day for 10 hours and just physically drained. My mind wasn't right. And I would come home, I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up and I'd have to do the same thing the next day. But 
that that I think I I was like, no, I, I can't do this. I just I so badly didn't want to be in the position that I was, and I so badly wanted to be in the industry that I was like, no, we have to spin this in a way that I can push myself forward. And so I so badly didn't want to be in the position I was. And I was like, no, let me use this as extra fuel to continue working on different projects and anytime i thought about the job that i had to go to later that day i'm like no way let me put extra effort into this project because eventually it's gonna it's gonna complete and i can put it on my resume or on my portfolio and i can have these other people that i can reach out to and um hopefully get a job man you so <clears throat> i i want to be clear about how difficult it can be to get that first job in the industry Right. Like, right. like even just you coming out with 30 other people that came out the same month as you. Right. And then the next month had 30 more and 30 more. Right. And that's from one place. And there's like hundreds of universities in this country yeah. that are teaching game design. Right. So it's hard to stand out. It can be really right. hard to stand out. But the truth is, like, and a lot of people in the same position were like, they're trying, they're getting rejected. The people that succeed are the ones that keep at it, right? The ones that keep that goal in mind and yeah. understand like the, the way that I'm going to get hired is by making myself hireable, right? That's by improving mm -hmm. my skills, by showing what my skills are and, and, and basically keeping up and continuing that, that drive and that desire. It's tough. Like you've got to pay bills and you've got to get better at what you want to do. Yeah, but you did it, man. Like, like you, you had the right mentality. You kept at it, and we talked many times over that search for you. Mm -hmm. and, and there were times I was like, man, how? Thinking to myself, I'm like, how is this guy not hired yet? Right? Like, <laughs> like, like I had that thought many times. But at the same time, I know there's there's not that many jobs out there sometimes, and right. especially when you're trying to get in. Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of times, even if there are positions that are available, they a lot of people like to trust in the people that are already in the the industry because they they have a good that have that track record behind them that kind of validates why they might be better suited than a person who came straight out of uh, college and um, there's not really anyone to uh, to vouch for them. Well, that that is another thing, like the the vouching part. Like there's um there's a big part of this industry that's networking. And we haven't talked right. much about that, right? Like you, you had a pretty stellar class and classes around you were really good as well. So you, you had opportunity to make a lot of connections right. uh, to potentially help you out somewhere. I don't think any of those connections actually helped you get hired at your first gig, which, which we'll talk about, but it certainly can. And it is the most common way to mm -hmm. kind of like get your foot in the door somewhere. Right. Yeah, you guys didn't help me out at all. I can't believe you guys. <laughs> Those bastards. <laughs> like a... <laughs> oh, son of a gun. <laughs> no, yeah. It, but it's it also really not too tough. late, right? Like you, you you, still can hire each other. You know, like that. that yeah. those opportunities are still going to be there. Right. I take back what I said. My bad. You guys are cool. <laughs> let me into your next job, please, if I get let go. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it, it it's super tough. Um the thing I was telling myself is that it's way better to, or there's always a chance that you get hired. There's always a chance for that, uh, 
yeah, there's always a chance for you to get hired if you continue going and you never quit. But the chances of you not getting hired are zero if you uh if you stop making stuff and applying. Yeah. This is definitely an industry of passion, right? And mm-hmm. and, and the and the problem for a lot of people is that passion causes them to overwork, be undervalued, you know, uh, take positions that, that are not good for them, those kind of things. But that, that's the, that's a problem we're, we're trying to fix, right. In in general as an industry, but ultimately you have to really want to do this and you got to continue to, to improve your skills. You got to make yourself more hireable. You've got to make yourself stand out and, and and you do that by continuing to learn and building your skill set. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like that's that's especially tough for uh, independent developers, at least in my experience, because I definitely overworked overworked myself when I was um, before I had got hired anywhere. Because uh, yeah, I was just working so much day and night. Um, I never really left my room except to eat, just fuel up, work <laughs> on game development. Uh, friends wanted me to play Xbox or, or any kind of games with them. And I'd be like, actually, I'm working on something right now. And then the night would come and I'm like, all right, let me finish a couple more things. And it's like 2 a.m. Uh, I end up going to sleep without very much food, wake up, do the same thing. Uh, so, yeah, I, there was a lot of passion in there, but also not as much um, care for my own, I guess, physical state. And uh, and mentally maybe, yeah. But I I survived somehow. <laughs> well, I mean that that's an easy uh, kind of problem to have, you know, when you're right. trying to figure out what what is the level of effort that I need to put into this, uh, exactly. You know, to to kind of get, and, and it's easy to feel like I've got to put it all in, which isn't the right answer, right? Like you, right. you you've still got to live, you've still got to survive while you're trying to figure that out. But man, it, it's a tough balance. And, and, and the balance is different early on, right? Like early, you're trying to figure out, I, I've just got to get in. And like, as soon as you get that first experience, it changes everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh... oh, man, I had something I want to say to that. Yeah, I guess I just kept, uh, I kept going. Oh, I, in that position, I was, uh, yeah, at that time of my life, I was comparing myself to this imaginary person who had constantly worked harder than me. Mm. I'm like, man, he uh, he did 12 hours. Why can't you do 12 hours? All right, you know what? I'm going to do 13. And I got a lot of stuff done. Maybe not even the best quality, though. Um, but I, I, con- I kept convincing myself that I had to keep working and working and working. And then ended up working out for the best, but those weren't the most healthy years of my life. And um, I could have, there's a chance that I could have made healthier decisions for my physical and mental state at that moment and still made it to where I am now. Never know. Yeah. You don't know. And and, that, and that's the thing that, that can be difficult. Right. For sure. All right. We got like 20 minutes left. We've, uh, and I want to make sure we talk about your first job. Okay. So, so let's talk about how 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 did you come about interviewing for this position, and and fill us in a little bit about how that actually went. Awesome. And my so technically, this is my 
second job, but hmm. first in AAA games. So my first job was actually a small independent company. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the company because they had changed it a couple of different times. But it wasn't really a game development studio. It was more of a software development studio that ended up tra- needing a game designer. They were transitioning in the direction of video games. And yeah, I, it, I ended up getting lucky, I guess. Um, so I had applied... My process at that point was getting up every day at 8 a.m., showering, getting fully dressed um, like I was going to go to work. And so I would apply on Indeed, LinkedIn, and all these different places. And then after that was done, I would work on projects. And so one day, I I just so happened to find um, a post for this independent company, and they ended up interviewing. And after the first interview, they were like, okay, cool, we'll let you know whether or not we'll hire you. But uh, it was lovely talking to you, and it was terrifying too. It was uh, a three-person interview when I, a three-person Zoom call, when I thought it was just going to be a one-person phone call. So I was just so thrown off guard. I felt unprepared, but apparently I ended up doing well enough where they ended up hiring me. I stood on for seven months, and um, I was the only game designer there, and I kind of had to lead the uh, the game development cycle, which was crazy for me because it didn't really make lead it (laughs) yeah so yeah there wasn't a ton of there wasn't any game development experience in that company and i was it i was it (laughs) and i was just a game developer who didn't really know the first thing of uh how to lead a development cycle and so yeah i uh that is wild (laughs) it's crazy yeah, I have no clue uh, how it happened, but I mean, that honestly, that's somebody who's like, we need somebody. How much money do we have? We can afford right. a, a young guy. Let's see what they can do, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's wild. The crazy thing too is it wasn't even it was so at this point it had been almost two years, maybe three years. I can't really remember, but it wasn't it wasn't even a paid opportunity, which was uh, which is sucky. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, it was an unpaid opportunity. So they and had no money, and they're like, "Who can we no get money. to throw a bunch of stuff on?" Yep. So no money. Um, I was the only guy with any development experience, and yeah, they just threw me in. They said, "Hey, what kind of games can you make?" And I was just making whatever I thought could be cool. And um, yeah, I ended up hiring. <laughs> I ended up interviewing someone else. For a game designer position the next week <laughs> so i have uh interview experience <laughs> dude at the very least you got some great experience out of this <laughs> yeah and that was the whole thought behind uh behind working here so i was like you know what i can either and it's not maybe you have a better idea of of how people should go about this maybe it would be a good decision for them to do it maybe it wouldn't be but for me i felt like that was the right move to make because in my head, I was like, I could either continue working on my own or continue working with someone else and say I have game development experience in a professional capacity. And so I ended up working with them, although it was unpaid. Seven seven months passed by. And, um, and yeah, I was like, you know what? Ah, it's not the best route for me. I need something that can pay me. And I was like, okay, cool. I've got the seven months experience. So I reached out to a bunch of different connections, got a bunch of interviews. 
And unfortunately, they didn't land, but they were a good opportunity for me to practice my interview skills. And um, I ended up creating that challenge for myself where I created a new game every month. And that was really cool. Um, I ended up learning a lot. I stopped focusing on being efficient with my code and more just prototyping and getting all my design ideas out there. And and yeah, I ended up uh, finding my current job, NBA 2K, and um, and it was awesome. Yeah, they were very, super impressed with that challenge I created. They loved the post-it notes, and I had interviewed with those people, and they were super nice. Um, I'm I'm yeah, curious awesome. about that. So, at, at what point during this did you decide you needed to find something different? And then, how did you find that position and kind of get that first interview? So, towards the end of my uh, time with that first company, I was, yeah, I was I was in talks with the with people at the company, and. It just, I could tell that I had, uh, my time would be better placed elsewhere, I guess, uh, would be the best thing. Sure. It makes the most sense. And so, oh, I lost, I lost the question in the answering. <laughs> could you restate the question for <laughs> nah, me? <it's... laughs> <laughs> no, I was just trying to figure out like, <clears throat> excuse me. What what made you decide to make that move, like actually make the move? And then how did you find out about the position and actually get that interview to happen? Yeah, I decided to make the move because I felt like it just wasn't the best path for like growth. I wanted people who were there. There were awesome people, but they didn't have the experience they didn't, I was looking for people who already had game development experience and sort of someone who could mentor me and lead me down the right path. And I was the only game designer there, so I kind of had to listen to myself, which, um, yeah, I was just looking for more of that. And so after I decided to leave, I, I just started applying and doing the same, same things I was doing again, which was um, get up every day at 8 o'clock, shower, do everything I had to do, uh, go on Indeed, LinkedIn jobs, use the full sales site for uh, for jobs as well. After all that was done, I think I applied to at least five jobs a day, either on each site or maybe in total. And after all that was done, I would go straight to developing um, for about like six to eight hours, maybe. All right. And that would just be my cycle every day until I ended up getting an interview. Um, until I ended up applying on, I think, LinkedIn jobs, which led me to interviewing with my current company. And then what was that interview like? Like, so, uh, where, where were you located physically? And then where was, did you fly out for the interview? Was it online? What was that like? Yeah. So that was, uh, that was online at the time I was in Florida and I think COVID was still, uh, pretty big. I don't, I think everyone was still indoors. Um, yeah, so everything was online. Everyone was in Texas. And I was just interviewing uh, from Florida in my, in my parents' home. And I think, yeah, the initial interview was with a hiring manager over at Visual Concepts Austin, which is under uh, 2K. 
And yeah, I had a, a good back and forth with the with that first interviewer. And she said, okay, cool. I'm going to send your information to the hiring manager, which is the usual process. I've been through that a, couple, a bunch of different times. And at that point, I was super used to it. And I wasn't super nervous at all because I've done it, felt like a million times. And then um, I think I only had two more, three more interviews after that. The The first interview after was with my hiring manager. And it was just a bunch of like different design questions and design philosophy and how you problem solve um, and just kind of putting me in different scenarios and having me define what's one thing versus another. Um, he thought I did well in that. And so he sent me on to uh, a team of three different people. So it was me on Zoom with three different people who were all seniors at the time senior designers and that interview is basically just to see if I how well I got or uh yeah how well I did in the environment with that team and so yeah it was about an hour maybe two hours long and they thought I did really well and once they um relayed that message over to my hiring manager he said okay cool let's do one more interview which ended up being just a formality with uh the one of the head people and um, I asked, I was like, cool, is there any, are there any interviews after this? And he said, no, we're, uh, this is actually just a formality. And since you made it here, this means that you're, uh, you're pretty much good to go. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? What do you mean this is, uh, I'm good to go? <laughs> Am I being punked? Offer incoming. No, that, yeah. That's the best thing to hear, you know? <laughs> oh, it's crazy. It's so surreal. <laughs> so, all right here's 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 where we're at right now we we've only got a few minutes of time but we have not touched on like your professional work hardly at all so i'd, right. li I'd like to have you come back on if that's cool with you and Beautiful. Uh, we'll we'll start to wrap things up now because i feel like we can we can talk a lot more about i love hearing about someone's like first industry job and like the things that you learned and like what what those first few months were like like there's right there's a lot of stuff because a lot of people that listen and, and are hanging out here are people that are interested in getting to into the industry so they're wondering like what's it like to get that first job what's that first few months like how do i not oh, look yeah. like an asshole you know like, like there, there, there's a lot of you know really important stuff here that i want to dig into and i don't want us to try to rush it in the next you know 10 or 15 minutes Right. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come on again. And I was one of those people uh, not too long ago where I'd tune in all the time and I'd see people coming in and I'd reach out to all of your guests that came on and they're, all of them had been super lovely. Um, Miller, uh, I had met through your podcast. Uh, I consider him one of my mentors and he's, oh man, he's great with so much information and, and reaching back out to me with uh, just ways to, to improve myself. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. I'm glad you mentioned that because mentorship is something that I want us to dig into a little bit more next time as well. Awesome. Because um, I just did a panel on it during Hall of Fame and it got me thinking a lot about mentorship in general and the, the different forms and how like sometimes I'll mentor people and not even realize I'm mentoring them, you know, and, and <laughs> like, but like, I want to talk about, you know, that, that from both sides of it. And, you know, like you're also in a position now where you can start mentoring people if you're not already. So, right. you know, there's, there's a lot of good opportunities there definitely yeah I'm, I'm excited for it actually uh 
I know we don't have too much time, but I actually had someone reach out to me not too long ago, maybe a, a couple months ago, and was reaching out to me for information. And it was sort of like a, a mentorship where every couple, a couple of months he'd reach out and say, hey, do you think this is the best avenue or what do you think about this? And I'd more than help, uh, more than happy to to help them out. And if anybody else in the chat thinks that uh, I could provide value in some way, please reach out. Yeah, that that is absolutely a form of mentorship. And honestly, like, there and and that's part of what I want to talk about because there's there's so many different forms. The honestly, the reason I do this is, is to to mentor on on a, on a broader scale. You know, like I right. I don't have enough time to talk to a hundred people individually, but if a lot of people can come in here and get some good wisdom from you, and then you know, occasionally, hopefully, I have something smart to say. Then you know, <laughs> you know, then then hopefully we're helping people, and that that's ultimately for me what this is about. And I appreciate someone like you coming on here. And sharing your experience and, you know, helping people figure out what they need to do to kind of do the same things that we're doing. Yeah, for sure. And thank you. Yeah. On behalf of everyone, I think, in this chat and anyone else who watches, thank you. Because you're doing exactly what you you said you wanted to. You're mentoring people on a broad scale. Even if some people aren't uh, in chat and they aren't super vocal, I'm sure everyone is benefiting from this, either live or in uh, past podcasts, reaching out to different people and getting that kind of mentorship. And yeah, you're you're awesome, man. It's not to to kiss. Come I hope on. I'm not kissing ass. I hope I don't look like a kiss ass. But I got to give credit where credit's due. I appreciate it. Go on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I I do appreciate that. I I I really enjoy doing this, and uh, it, it's really nice to hear that that it's appreciated. So I, I do appreciate oh, yeah. that. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, let, let's jump off here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go say my goodbyes. You and I will talk after this and figure out a time for you to come back because I feel like we've got a lot more that we can cover. Uh, but thank you for joining us. You've already given us some great insight into, into your career and uh, some advice on things that people can think about as they're starting to develop theirs. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. See you guys. All right, man. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, thanks for watching. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications below so you'll know when new episodes are ready. If you're interested in the audio version of the podcast, I've got links for that in the show notes for you. And if you want to join us live and get your own questions answered, we're at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Have a good week and we'll see you soon. What is your favorite game of all time and why? Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction, the expansion. Wow, um, that's very specific. That was just the best AR hack and slash ARPG game that I had played up to the point. And I think that was a game that really got me hooked on playing games more than just like, you know, after dinner with my brother before I went to bed, right? Like, yeah. you know, we were sharing the, that Nintendo console, you know, back and forth in a one player game. Diablo 2 was the thing that is like, I'm, I have no problem playing this for hours and hours and hours. All right. Did you do a lot of multiplayer or was it mostly solo? Uh, multiplayer, yeah. Okay. A ton. I had like a bunch of my friends I used to play Magic with where we were in an IRC and we joined and then we found out IRC. that when you, uh, <laughs> when you beat Hell difficulty, you get Conqueror. And so we 